Welcome to the Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive, where you have access to all the amazing insights Dr. Finlayson Fife has shared through hundreds of interviews. I'm Mackenzie, Dr. Finlayson Fife's assistant, and we are so glad that you're here. The audio for today's episode was taken from an Instagram Live hosted by LDS musician Jen Blossel. We hope you enjoy this fun and uplifting conversation. Hello. <laughs> okay, wait, let me see. I don't know why my camera's not working. Can you see me? Uh, I Oh, now I can. There we can. <gasps> I feel like such a fangirl to me. This <laughs> is like a huge moment for me. <laughs> Just have I I tell people that you remind me a lot of when you listen to Brene Brown speak and she is so articulate in a way that just illuminates your whole body and that is you when ah. you, you you deliver information in the most empowering like succinct beautiful way that thank I you your vision that's, well that's how you sing so <laughs> you're you're amazing i love listening to your music it's i just was listening to woman and it's chord it's a wonderful song it's very cool Amazing. You have an amazing gift for lyrics. And are you composing these songs? They're yours. Wow, that's incredible. And you have an amazing voice. I'm not kidding. I wrote that song because of things that you taught. Like, Woman was written when I was like, I I explain also in the email, but I wrote the song after I had heard you speak about the fact that, like, sex is not a dirty thing. And especially this is what I think is so beautiful doctrinally as Latter-day Saints we're like yeah of course it's not it's gorgeous it's beautiful it's creation it's this like culmination and like sacredness and almost like a sacrament it's like a purifying thing but our culture has taught it has a a harder time yes yes and so Uh think about that I the song woman to me was like yeah, we have these this sexual awakening and we label it as dirty, but just like birth is dirty or just mm-hmm. like anything that's dead and coming alive is yeah. dirty. I love that you unearthed me, right? Because yeah. I think that there's just, oh, there's a lot of meanings in it that I think are really uh, right on point, which is that, first of all, I think women are kind of sensual, earthy yeah. creatures. I mean, yes. I think that scares some of us, right? But I do yes. think that we are very sensual beings. Yes. And there is something kind of naturally erotic about the feminine. And I think we're afraid of that idea. I don't think we should be, but I think we are. <laughs> oh. And I think a lot of times because we're afraid of that in our nature, we were complicit in shutting our sexuality and our creativity and our wisdom down. And I yes. think Eve was the opposite of that. She was about wisdom and courage and truth and she was stepping forward and i think you're right that our doctrine supports this vision of woman and of embodiment and i mean i think we often focus on the wrong things (laughs) but that's in our theology and it's there for us as a guiding idea that innocence is good but it's certainly not sufficient we have to step into the world we have to be creative and choose and unearth ourselves we have to if we're going to bring our strength to the world and to our relationships and to ourselves oh yeah i yeah 
Oh my gosh. I know I already said this, but the way that you speak is just like, I'm electrified. Literally today in the car with my dad, I was talking to him about this idea of exactly that, that the divine woman is a sexual being. Like we have, I love the word sensual. Like women really do have sex appeal. And the, the way that I feel like what has been done is like, oh my gosh, we're going to teach modesty in a way that then is like shaming women for being women. Right. And we're going to be like, oh, be the lower laws. I was like explaining to my dad is like, okay, be modest. So basically dress like a boy and remove yourself from any feminine energy at all. So right. then we're not being lustful. But I'm like, right. no, the, the higher law is, is lust. Yeah. But beautiful spiritual law is how can I use my sensuality as a woman to empower myself and other people to live in this like divine sphere. Right. And And it's very, and it's very moral in the sense that it's about creating strength and mm -hmm. creating goodness, right? Like Eve stepping out of innocence is to create a better world is to create strength and wisdom, right. And to procreate and all of the symbolic levels of that. Yes. But it does take courage. And I think yes. we're afraid if we wake up or we're anything other than innocent and, and yes. naive that we'll be destructive. And certainly we can be destructive. We yes. have to be wise with our choices and wise with our sexuality and wise with everything. But, yeah. you know, the only way to do it is to step into the world and to assert choices and learn through them. Yeah. And so it takes some faith, really, some courage yeah. to tolerate the process of living yeah oh wonder because uh, something that i've been pondering a lot lately is that that very idea that so we're in the garden of eden right and beautiful adam is there like la da da like i'm gonna be so obedient yeah. and, and i'm following and then meanwhile eve is over here and first satan is like let me go tempt adam and he's just like no i'm not having it And then Satan tempts Eve. And I think what's beautiful is Eve was the one that was like, wait, I, oh, and you know, like she's thinking through, right. She's seeing this bigger picture and this like risk that needs to be taken. Yeah. And that is so unique to Latter-day Saint theology is we are, we believe Eve didn't sin. That wasn't a sin. Yeah. Right. risk and choice and empowered choice right. was an active agency. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. so I, something I added in the email that I was curious about is like, okay, so some people are like, yes, it is a literal fruit that they bit and then whatever. But mm. I thought, I don't know how literal it is. It, to me, it's almost like, did Eve have a sexual awakening to understand her sexuality? And yeah. That, Interesting. And that, yeah. Right. There's a lot of metaphor, right? I mean, there's a lot of metaphor in these early stories and they're symbolic on many levels. And it is, it does represent a kind of awakening. I mean, yeah, sexual perhaps in a sense, but embodied awakening at a minimum, right? It's a kind of stepping into living, but there's risks in doing it. And the temptation is to stay back, to not take risks. Yes. And of course, you don't want to be like headlong into every choice. Of course, there's there's right. risk in that way. But to engage, to be anxiously engaged in a good cause, to create yes. good, that's really what I think God wants from us. 
Okay, yes, I, I, I have some questions. And to kind of like finish up this thought, the thing that I've been like really sitting on lately and like pondering and, and feeling some friction with it is feeling like, okay, so Eve made this choice and then Satan was like, okay, go quick, hide, you're naked, cover yeah. your nakedness. Yeah. And then also then they were able to have children. But I love that we learned that then when God visits them in the garden, first he was like, why are you clothed? And second mm. was this idea that they he punished Satan. But Satan was like, why are you punishing me for what was done in other worlds? Like, why am mm. I? And that's something that I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know what that means. I know that's what we believe. And, and what does mm. that tell me? And how many things are we like, oh, that's wicked and evil when really... It, it's it just is it is how it is yeah that's yes. interesting and i've been thinking too about like the sexualization of women like i've been thinking lately so much about like our conversations around modesty where mm. i'm like okay so a woman has bearing been br- bearing the brunt of mm-hmm. uh, of sex of sexuality mm-hmm. yeah yes. the the inherent anxiety of sexuality yes. And, and and exposure. I mean, I think this this awareness of nakedness is a very interesting idea because I think when you kind of step out of innocence and into yeah. a kind of adulthood or or out of innocence, right? There yeah. is more self awareness, self consciousness, yeah. fear, timidity, timidity, right? And that's a part of the risk of living, of being unearthed, right? Of sort of engaging okay. in the world. So we become more self aware and afraid. And that's, you know, that's, I think, a part of being awake. And it's a part of managing our fear about our sufficiency and all that as we engage in the world. So I think that's symbolically a piece of this. There was something else you said. Oh, the modesty thing. Mm. I think that because sexuality and intimacy and partnership, which is so much a part of living in an adult way, Mm -hmm. is scary for us. I mean... To love is to risk. To let somebody in on who you are is to risk because, you know, that's that desire to hide. Mm. And so I think that sometimes the way this has gotten handled, especially in cultures that have been more dominated by male narratives, is is to focus on the female as the problem. She exposes me. She makes me feel vulnerable because I see her sexuality and her desirability so we'll make her the problem, you know, yeah. and you see this in more fundamentalist cultures where yeah. the woman is shrouded completely and her sexuality is shamed. Yeah. But it's about in many ways trying to handle an anxiety in the man. And wow. so when we do that, we do both men and women a deep disservice. And, you know, of course, we want to think about sexuality and modesty as a function of respect, self-respect, yeah. respect for others. That all matters but not this kind of shaming and hiding out yes. of fear. Yes. Yes. And shaming the woman and then basically deep, deep womanizing. Her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Taking kind of robbing her of her feminine essence yes. and beauty and strength. Yes. And then yes. Also, especially in our culture, I've been thinking about this. We emphasize wearing garments as as modesty. Where I'm like, no, that's not why we make covenants. Right. Like this is the, it's confusing the two. Yes. Yeah. 
the shoulder is not wicked and evil. In fact, that's like what makes me so feminine. Yeah. And in that I and I'd love to know how you how you move through this. Sometimes it feels really difficult to me to want to express my femininity as a covenant woman where mm. I felt like gosh, these garments to me don't represent modesty. I love the covenant. I love right. choice, but I'm having a hard time expressing my feminine nature. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky for a lot of LDS women, this piece, because you're right, those are two different things and they often get put together. Yeah. So there's the covenant. And then there's also the question of what does modesty mean for me? And what does it mean yes. in our culture and in our way of dressing? Like the way yes. we dress now in Utah, for example, what would be considered modest would have been con be considered very immodest in the 19, at the turn of the century. I mean, the night of the turning in the 20th century. So that is to say that, you know, that's always a changing thing. And garments have also changed in terms of the lines and so on. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I don't think there are easy answers around that because yeah. I know, you know, a lot of the women that I work with are struggling between those two things, which is I want to be modest, but yeah. I feel somewhat controlled by the lines of the garment but i don't dismiss my covenants and they mean something to me so i don't i don't have great answers for it except for women to kind of and men to to sort out what they think is wise and best for them around some of those dilemmas but yeah. but yeah i think that that's true i think sometimes you know certainly we can use our beauty and our embodiment to exploit or to tantalize or to go across boundaries in a way that's not loving, not decent, not fair. But there's also a distinction between that and shrouding ourselves and being afraid of our embodiment and yeah. our inherent beauty. Yeah. And especially yeah. for women, like I, that's the thing. And cause I've been thinking, and I'm so excited to talk with you because something that I've been thinking lately in the wake of Sarah Everard, I, I mispronouncing her name, the woman who was murdered on her walk home in mm -hmm. London. Oh. And yes, uh, devastating. And, and, and feeling like there's so many stories of women who feel unsafe in scenarios. What's the answer? And, and as I've been pondering that, I just felt like the answer is empowering women. The yeah. answer is lying in helping women understand their worth, their value, their sexuality. And, and to me, you're, you're so good at doing that and empowering women to understand, yeah. like, and, and for me, it's like, we believe in a heavenly mother and, and I feel like, yeah, it's learning about her and her strength and her power. And yeah. oftentimes women are be like, oh, you're off operating in your masculine where I'm like, no, I'm operating in my mm -hmm. divine. Yeah. are divine. This strength is divine. And so few women yeah. know that and and i've been taught right. that right so, a lot of people think that the way to be a good woman is to kind of push yourself down and to not be yeah. a threat to anyone and yeah. you know it's a disservice of course to women but it's also because i do a lot of work with couples it's a real disservice to men too because if a woman's not thriving a marriage isn't thriving right okay. and so you if you want a thriving open-hearted, passionate marriage, you have to have enough room for two people to thrive. And I think a lot of men, unfortunately for themselves, have been taught the idea that to feel like a man, you need to sort of be, be stronger than or be superior yes. to the woman you're with. 
And really strong men don't need to do that. They can, they can allow that radiance and strength that is part of that feminine energy to, to thrive. So, so anyway, so it's, it's about learning a new way of thinking about the divine feminine and divine masculine and how that's in each of us and how much, you know, we bring different gifts and capacities and how much we benefit in our marriages, in our society, in our church by letting that strength be there. And the strength yeah. never harms. Strength always makes things better. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that has been so powerful to me is just like, is like, as we elevate one, we elevate the other. And it isn't yes. like, no, uh, exactly. As we empower this one, we're both winning. And That's it's empowering it. each other to be operating in these higher, more empowered collaborative relationships yes exactly and that i feel so passionate about so i'm now 29 i know i look like an infant i'm like <laughs> that's and, a great thing thank you yeah i'm like the what is a year no, i tell people i'm like it's a holy ghost you know <laughs> um but it it's for me in my experience it's been so challenging trying to find a life partner mm. that doesn't feel threatened by mm. my of femininity because it isn't subdued and like mm -hmm. oh I'll, I'll do whatever you want and mm -hmm. I it, the first time I had been aware of this was when you were speaking this years ago and you talked about um in marriages especially women not understanding that they are just as what's the word I'm looking for like their pleasure is just as important oh, yeah. to, for as sure the husband's. And mm -hmm. I'd always been like, yeah, of course. And then as you were speaking, I'm like, wait, you mean people don't know that? Like, yeah, yeah. That women have believed this idea that our role is just to have men feel pleasure. And and so I, I wrote in the email too about like the the orgasm gap, like the female yeah. orgasm gap about how like women. Yeah. I absolutely. So I I think that you're you know yeah a lot of women have grown up thinking that their sexuality exists for the sake of the man, that yes. the man's really the sexual one and she's mm -hmm. not or shouldn't be. And so her sexuality is only given legitimacy if it's there in service of a man's needs. Oh, so that's yeah. a, a typical framing. It goes yeah. so badly for men and women when they frame it that way, because no woman wants to service anybody for life, much less eternity. <laughs> and so it breaks down very, very quickly. Yes. But I think a lot of times couples haven't, or even if you have a good husband or a good man who really wants you to have pleasure, a lot of times women don't, haven't been taught that that's legitimate and okay for them. They, they feel like they need to be arm's length from their sexual and sensual natures because yes. they want to be good. And so we need to have a wiser understanding of what good is, because as you say, you know, in our theology, our parents in heaven are embodied. Yes. And it's not only not, it's not only not going against our spirituality yes. in our theology, we need it for our spiritual yes. development. Right. Oh. Yes. Oh. And yeah. And I do think that the Adam and Eve story and Eve's choice is very much symbolically that choice of stepping yes. into into life, stepping into choice, stepping out of the garden and into a challenging world, but a world in which we can sort of bring our wisdom and our courage and develop into yeah. more godly 
creatures into the divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, our theology is the coolest. Yeah, but like, it is. When they don't drink from these rich waters, I'm like, oh, you're missing all the juice about like, yeah, you know, the meaning. And, and yeah. so song woman to me was also about the fact that like a sexual awakening has to happen in order mm. to celestialize. Yeah. We celestialize without this. And I love when you yeah. use the word embodiment. And I, and I also love what you said about like, women oftentimes feeling like we can only be sexy in order for like the male gaze. And yeah. I, I said it. Yeah. yeah. How would you, I guess like maybe what advice would you give a woman to help tap into that so we can tap into more creativity, you know, like for ourselves and. Yeah. Like one of the things I teach a lot is that we need to embrace our embodiment and our sexuality for our own strength. Because if you're a house divided, you know, to use that scriptural reference, if you're divided against yourself, if you're rejecting of the wisdom and strength that comes from your embodiment, you're really working against your inner wisdom, right? Mm. And so it's a, we believe this, that our bodies are a gift to us from God, but then we get a lot of cultural messages that make us not lean into that. Yes. And so we aren't able to be at peace in our own skin and yeah. to kind of reach in and know what our resources are and what our gifts are and what we are able to do and create and develop in the world. So when we're kind of running scared from ourselves yeah, or we're afraid of our strength, I think a lot of women are afraid of their strength. They're afraid if they're strong, that they'll be unlovable. Yeah. Or they'll be a threat. Yeah. And they won't be feminine anymore yes and we need a different vision of femininity because yeah there's just so much more than that Uh and so yeah so we you know the wonderful thing about our theology is that it will grow it can grow with us it has so much depth and so even though culturally we sometimes are at a lower level than there's all kinds of room for us to keep growing and and tapping into this beautiful theology to understand it at a different level Yes. And to understand more about fem- feminine strength yes. and more about true divine partnership. It's yes. all there for us. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. I literally went to bed crying last night because I was talking to a boy about these things. And he just was like, I don't get it. It seems to me like you're like almost in a way of like, Jen, like you don't believe in, in truth. And I was like, one of the things was like... And I couldn't come up with a different answer, but it was genuinely like, but you're not, you're not a girl. So you don't understand what it's like to have lived a life where all of my figures are male. And Mm. I'm, and I, and our doctrine is about this like powerful heavenly mother. And we rarely talk about her and to embody this whole divine feminine. And my culture is like, it rejects. That when I'm when I'm showing up in a way that I feel like is divine, and so mm-hmm. it, it's really exciting for me. Something that I've loved is like President Nelson being like, "The restoration is ongoing. What's yes. your role?" And I'm like, "Cool, my role yep. is to have women, you know." Yeah, and like, that's right. As we bring our strength, yes. we, we will come to know the divine feminine, and she yes. will become more apparent to us. And yes. I mean, I, and so it's it's. I think being passive 
is not as valuable for us as yeah. us courageously, as yeah. President Nelson said, I can't remember how he said it, but basically the world needs women's strength, meaning we need to bring our strength yes. and not be apologetic because we will all be stronger for it. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And yeah. my gosh, so many more things. I would love to know how you personally tap into your feminine and, and how you have maybe what was a challenge for you in the beginning and kind mm-hmm. of where are now with that? Oh, that's a good question. I just think about that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I have no prepared thoughts, but so I'll just see what comes out. (laughs) But you know, when I was younger, I I was always very glad I was a girl. I didn't want to be like, I know that's pretty obvious maybe, but I didn't want to be a boy. I really, really liked being a girl. I liked wearing dresses. I liked long hair. All those things mattered to me, but I felt ambivalent about women's roles because I could see that they had less power, at least in my perception of how yes. this was. And so I was like, I want to be a mother. I want to be a wife. I love that. I, I want to be a homemaker even, but I, I'm afraid of like the loss of status and power in it. And so I was kind of ambivalent. And I also felt like, well, God loves women, but he loves them maybe a little less than men. And I didn't, I wasn't, I just sort of felt that must be true because boys had the priesthood and my dad was, you know, a church leader. So I just sort of saw it as I know I'm loved, but just a little less. And so I think that I just took up kind of an honest struggle with God about that, uh, with my parents in heaven in a way about that, like, help me understand what's true, because can it be true that I'm worth less? And, you know, I just through some of that struggle just came to know in my heart that that just wasn't true. And it was really right before I got married because I was also, I was ambivalent about getting married because I was afraid of the loss of power. So I was almost 30 when I got married. And, really? And, yes. I was well, two, two months away from turning 30 when I got married. Well, yes. Both sisters. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm like, you're like, no, Jen, you're crazy. Where I'm like, no, we're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can be soul sisters. And, you know, I'm so glad I waited that long because it just meant I was in a position to make a really good choice. Yes. But my, I guess my larger point is it was, it took me to sort of work this out that I was understood that I would really be a partner, that I could legitimately claim my strength and my femininity together, mm. that I could be true to myself yes. and my feminine nature and not worry that I was going to be squashed <laughs> or yes. be less than or have to take a step back in my life. And so my 20s was kind of working that bit out. Yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I don't really think about it in this term so much, but I just feel the freedom to be true. I don't really think about it in terms of my femininity so much, but I do think I just have felt the freedom in my life to unapologetically be who I am, mm-hmm. to be, to, to bring my capacity to the world, to bring my gifts, my energy, and just be true to it and to not apologize for it. You know, I want to be wise and all that, not just rush into anything, but yeah. But I think I just have learned to not apologize for who I am. And mm. that's been a really a freeing reality in my life. I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, um, that's, well, we're really grateful for it. You, you change and bless so many people's lives and, and part of that is because of your unapologetic presence that like you just yeah. have, like 
you have this power to i don't even know how to explain like you watch videos of you speaking it's like oh this is a woman i need to listen to like you carry this like strength and self-assuredness that's so inspiring and and just like awe inducing thank you that is so kind of you thank you welcome just true um okay so i i only want to take like 30 minutes so we've just got like a couple minutes left is there anything else you feel like you'd love to share like advice or anyone who's maybe struggling to understand their even men or women just anyone in general feeling like we want wanting to understand sexual expression better yeah yeah well here's the good news is that if you question your value and your legitimacy as a person, the good news is, is that you just don't yet see who you are. Mm. And that whatever you've learned about yourself or whatever the fears are that inform your inhibition, which is very normal and is very much a part of being human. The good news is is that it's a distortion on seeing who you are. Mm. And I need to take a note. Okay, good. Yeah. And so that's encouraging because I think, you know, I know in my own life, there have been times where I've really doubted myself or questioned my worth or felt inferior. And it always is helpful to kind of know I'm in a distortion and that my parents in heaven know better and they can see better. And I can kind of lean on that reality or, or have faith in it or try to. And so the reason why I say the good news is, is that it's okay to not be clear about who you are, but in a way reaching for a higher view of your potential and your capacity and what's possible, especially if you've come out of a family or a reality that's led you to question your value. So to kind of look for a higher possibility for yourself. That takes tremendous courage. I mean, and I don't, I don't, um, how to say it? I'm not dismissive of the kind of courage it takes to reach for a higher view of your potential, especially when there's a lot that you don't yet know or you haven't yet developed in yourself. Yeah. But the courage to reach for a higher possibility and to also develop your gifts, try things, learn things. Just know the imperfection of that process is valuable and it's virtuous because if it's done out of courage and a desire to create good, it's good enough. That is that as flawed as our efforts are, like I'm sure you've written songs before that you just thought, no, this isn't good and I'm going to let it. Meaning you have, well, maybe not. Maybe you've always written amazing songs. (laughs) But I'm just saying that's the process of creativity and development. You're going to have some things that don't go the way you want. but that the process develops you. And Mm -hmm. so to trust in that process and to trust in, you know, this um, as a good thing, sometimes we're so perfectionistic and demanding of ourselves that we shut down this, this process that we all need to grow and become people capable of really loving and making a difference in the world. So, and our sexuality is part of that. That's the only thing I would add is that your embodiment is a part of your strength. Your sexuality Mm. can definitely be uh, channeled to create joy and goodness in your life and in the life of whoever you marry. And you can make a positive difference through your embodied sensual and sexual nature 
you know, yeah. and that, it, you know, we so are afraid sometimes that if you're, if you acknowledge sexuality, it will be destructive. And there is so much beauty that can be created through it. Yes, man, this leads me to some other questions, because I do think, and I don't, I'm not sure exactly what you, you teach in your line of work, because let me get this right. It's a, you're a psychoanalyst. Well, I'm a, I'm a therapist and a coach. So I'm a psychotherapist and a coach. Yeah. So I, exactly. So I have a PhD in counseling psychology. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then I teach also. Yeah. Legend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So cool. And also I feel like everything you say, I'm like, I need to write down all this. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I'll come back to that. Um, the, the, thought that I was having is like okay so for example I'm a I'm a single gal and I personally feel like okay I'm not into masturbation that's not something that I feel comfortable with I feel like there's a Mm -hmm. level of sexuality that's empowerment empowering and and beautiful Mm -hmm. and then a level of pleasure and sexuality that like I was saying falls to me under like the lustful category Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah how, what advice would you give someone that's single that's saying, okay, to have sex, I'm waiting for this appropriate relationship that I Mm -hmm. feel good and believe in. Yeah. So, so I think there's a difference between being conservative in your sexual choices or saying, I'm going to wait until marriage to be sexual, but my sexuality is good and I'm grateful I have it. And my embodiment is a wonderful thing. But to fully express my sexuality, I choose to wait. Like that's, as long as it's your choice. Yes. I mean, and you're saying, look, I don't deny my sexual nature, nor do I feel badly about it. But I'm making choices around where I'm going to express it to its fullest expression. That's not going to handicap you. That's not going to. And then in the meantime, you're going to have lots of sensual, creative energy, right? If you're not in a sexual relationship, but there's also a lot of creativity and um, energy that comes from that. And so we sometimes think of sublimation as a negative thing, but people Ooh. sublimate all the time. I mean, that's yeah. probably part of your amazing music. <laughs> and so you can kind of channel your energy towards creative pursuits, towards taking on courageous things. And that's especially true if you're not shaming it, if you're not saying yeah. I'm disgusting because I have these feelings but instead asserting your choices and forging a life that you feel good about, well, there's yeah. a lot of value in that. Ooh, I, ah, I love that. And correct, correct me, sublimation is basically taking that energy and then translating it. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Like, Channeling it somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, but it's like, cool, I'm not having sex, but I wrote this song about... Yes. Exactly. And sublimation is its most positive when it's seen as I'm making a choice. Yeah. People do it all the time. They get in an elevator, they see someone attractive, they'll they'll just redirect their energy. They're not mm-hmm. gonna, you know, if they're like married and they don't, you know, they just redirect yeah. their energy, but that's a kind of conscious sublimation mm-hmm. that's appropriate and it's in line with your values and so on. Yeah. So people do it all the time. It's not a negative thing unless it's shaming and saying, I'm a bad person because yeah. I have sexual feelings, where yeah. you know that's just part of being human. Oh this or even not even human prior to being divine i love that's that right. also made that clarification that i was like god bless you know yeah so, yes uh, this this conversation to me 
feels like the beginning of more conversations that I hope other people have and feel sparked by. And especially as a girl listening to you speak, it feels so empowering to be like, wow. And for anyone, I hope like I am a sexual being and that that is beautiful. And I have to understand that and understand its power and understand the power that I have in this very, freeing way and then I can make choices that feel empowering to me about my sexual expression yep and and not and like like I just was thinking like I'm excited to have daughters and then teach them that I'm like you do have sex appeal ladies and let me teach you about it don't be afraid about it and let's talk about you know like God and and the creation and the use of women and the divinity and women blah 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 yeah I say well like yeah (laughs) it's lots of conversations exactly okay well dr finlayson fife i would love for you to tell people how they can hear more from you and how they reach you and etc sure probably the easiest way is just my website which is my last name finlayson-fife.com and then i have like a podcast archive that you can listen to me for like 100 hours if you want to (laughs) and i teach online courses for lds couples and singles around sexuality and relationships. And so it's all there on my website, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're one of a kind. And <laughs> you're just like, I feel like such a pioneer and I hope other young people too can be like, wow, like this woman is living this empowered, beautiful, faith-filled feminine like all the adjectives life and it's and for me too it feels really um like we're in different careers but I feel more empowered in my career because I'm like oh wow like Dr. Finlayson Fife is doing it too like yeah (laughs) that's great yeah that's awesome yeah you do beautiful work I love it yeah thank you it's really impressive so yeah so nice. Um, okay, well, if I'm ever in Chicago, is that where you still are? Like you're still yeah, there? yeah. We're not always here. Sometimes we're in Vermont where we also have family and there's okay. space for us there. But but we're here too in Chicago right now. So during okay. COVID, Vermont was a good place to be, but we're back oh, now. So <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait till I can't, because like, I don't, I never came up and spoke to you after you spoke when I was in New York. Oh, yeah resonated with me forever so can't wait to yeah that. yeah that would be great yeah. that would be great good yeah. thanks for having me jen yes yeah. thanks for joining and um, i know people have been asking like save it the plan is to save sure so we can we- post it on ours too if you send yeah. us a copy we'll do that yeah okay genius <laughs> you're amazing <laughs> see you later okay great jen take care bye-bye bye Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in the show notes below to find her website, online courses she offers, information on upcoming events, and her free Facebook group.